Hi y'all and welcome back to Peachy Keen. I hate to start off with an apology, but damn. I've tried to record this intro at least four times and have been thwarted by heavy rains, power outages, and mostly just life like kids stomping through hallways and flushing toilets mid-recording. Should I have left all of that mess in there? I don't know. I'm feeling like if I ever want to get these things out into the world, I may have to start getting messy with these recordings or get a soundproof studio, which I don't think that's going to happen. Let's see if I can get through five minutes recording today. Here on Peachy Keen, I talk with women about art and the South, and Georgia's my home base, so that's where I find most of the folks that I talk to. But whenever I travel around the region, I make it a point to seek out the local artist, which it just so happens has also turned out to be a great way to get some insider access to the places that I go. For this episode and the last episode, I had a fabulous time getting reintroduced to Chattanooga, Tennessee. On episode 23, I sat down with Katie Hargrave in her Chattanooga studio at the University of Tennessee with her collaborator who was in town from Tallahassee, Meredith Lynn. Knowing that I'm a painting geek, Katie recommended that I also talk with her colleague at UTC, Christina Vogel. I was in Chattanooga for two weekends in a row. The first weekend, I installed my show at Versa Gallery, and that's when I met up with Katie and Meredith. And the second weekend was for my opening. I met Christina for the first time at the opening of my show, and we chatted a bit there. And then I may have stayed up a little bit late celebrating maybe drinking Budweiser, before meeting up with Christina in her studio early the following morning. So please keep that in mind as you listen to this episode. Christina Vogel's studio is in the same building as Katie Hargraves, the UTC building that I described in the last episode, and it was pretty much deserted on a Sunday morning. Since her process mostly involves working directly from observed objects, her studio is filled with plants, and constructed still lifes and patterned fabrics, really just a joyous place to spend some time getting to know Christina and her work. I totally enjoyed our conversation, geeking out about painting, and I hope you will as well. Check it out. Let's see. So what we were talking about just a second ago that I was like podcast You were gold. talking about um, <laughs> yeah, going, like traveling and trying to um, also loop in, like reaching out to other artists. Um, so if you're going to Chattanooga, having studio visits, that sort of thing. Oh yeah. And so, so you were saying that's something that you had been. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's something for me living here. I have tried to, I have like learned to do definitely. And, um, become more confident. I think about just reaching out to people. I don't know <laughs> just yeah. to say, Hey, can I, I would love to come by. Um, especially if I'm going somewhere to see a show, try to have those other experiences as a way to just connect with other artists because we are so spread out. Yeah. That's the thing like about the Southeast, like, <clears throat> you know, when I was in New York, the community is so small right. and you like run, I mean, it's not small, but like it's uh, <laughs> geographically small. Yeah. And so you don't have to work as hard. But I found in the Southeast, there's a really strong artist community, but you got to travel a little bit. You, there, you have to make an effort. But yeah. if you do, it's not that hard in a sense, because I have found people are really open and eager to connect with each other. And so I've never had anybody say, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, I, w- right. I would not like to Yeah, everybody's share my work kind of and, craving that mm-hmm. community. I found that too, like, you know. Chattanooga has been super welcoming Mm -hmm. you know like I went to Stoveworks and those guys were just like hey let's talk about art yeah not like some you know when you go into galleries in New York and people give you the cold definitely you know or you can feel them take a look around but they're you know there's like a wall (laughs) between like gallerists I don't really feel that at all in the south like I think people are very you know it's all about hospitality and they want to they want to engage with you about the art. Even going into galleries, they still may be sizing you up and thinking like, are you a collector? Potentially, you know, but they're s- they'll talk to you. <laughs> they'll mm-hmm. make eye contact with you and say hi. Totally. And that is lovely. So you did your MFA at Massachusetts College of the Art in Boston yep. and your BFA at Temple. Where are you from originally? I'm, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. So how long have you been living 
in the South. So it will be all of a sudden um, six years in July. And you've been here the whole time in Chattanooga? Yeah, I came um, for the job to teach at UTC. Straight from grad school? No, no, no. I had about eight years, I think, in between, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But I was living in Omaha, Nebraska, actually, with my husband when I got the job here. Okay. Um, So we... So I studied in Philadelphia and, and grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is not that far away in the Amish country. And um, then uh, went to Boston for graduate school and lived there for about six years. Um, that's where I met my husband, and he was in a different graduate program. He's a writer. Um, and then we moved out to Nebraska, which is where he's from. Mm-hmm. Um, although we we moved to Omaha, which is on the far east side of the state, and he's from the far west side of the state. And we were there for, I think, four years um, when I got the job here. So were you I've teaching out around. there? I got a job at the Bema Center for Contemporary Arts, which oh, is an yeah, international residency program and uh, exhibition space. Uh-huh. And so I was working there full time and I was teaching adjunct, you know, the whole time I was out there. So so what were you doing for the Bema Center? I ended up doing development. So I was the development manager was my title and I was um, doing fundraising, which was very new territory for right. me. Um, <laughs> it's probably good to know was, how that you know works. I it was a really great job. Uh, it was a <laughs> well, I should I should say it was a very challenging job. I mean, I think working in nonprofits, it's like rewarding, but also so challenging. Everyone is spread very thin and wearing lots of hats. Right. Um, so it was demanding in that way. You're not compensated as well as you should be. You know, generally. Um, so it was challenging in those ways, but I I developed so many skills that have helped me as an artist for sure and as a, as a teacher as well um and yeah it was great it was a great experience I learned how to work with the board of director like a board of directors right. and I, I did all sorts of things like I planned um with a team of people of course but we planned like giant benefit art auctions and also worked with the curatorial staff and residency staff on programming and I did like um, events at donors' homes and, you know, all sorts of things, you name it. And then, like, the grant writing um, mm-hmm. has been really helpful for me just per- personally and professionally. Well, that's something that I've never really done. So, like, how do you write grants? Um, <sighs> yeah, it's it sounds really, I think, intimidating yeah, maybe if you've does. never done it. But I tell students it's just following directions. Essentially, uh-huh. that's what it is. And so it's but it just It takes like, a lot of research up front to even find out well, what kind of grants are yeah, out there, yeah, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that's true. Um, and I, But I think it's, it's just like anything else we do as as artists it's like researching spaces and opportunities Mm -hmm. similarly um, you come across grants in similar ways and Mm -hmm. you can also learn about grant opportunities through other artists by just seeing like what they have received now yeah I do that sometimes like uh, like, uh, mind people's CVs and be like where have they done residencies and I mean it's not like grants I think individual grants for artists are abundant you know so it's not like they're like all over the place I don't know anybody I don't know anybody who's living on grants Um, so that's definitely a thing but in terms of right it's it's like anything else like you have to research the grant see if it's a fit for you you know and just look at the granting body and and see what are their priorities what are they supporting so do you try to go after grants that are for like for supporting your work sure or like more research related for teaching Um, all all of them them. Yeah. yeah I mean I have been way more successful or I guess I got more in terms of numbers through teaching and definitely right. through the university because I'm affiliated with an institution. Like, um, I have gotten a lot of grants for my own work and also for teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've got I've had some success also with independent grants for supporting my own practice. Good, you're a good writer, maybe. <laughs> I have learned to be, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, writing is so hard. I know, right? Yeah, it's, it's difficult for me. Like, I feel like I have to really sit on things. Oh, me too. I'm very slow. Yeah. I have to like write it and revise it like 10 times. That's writing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in that way, it's not unlike making art. You just, that's true. You're just like going forward and moving back. Like, you know, like you're painting, you're painting it out just like writing. I think it's like, um, it's a, it happens best over time. Yeah. Like those artist statements that you can't, I can't ever get a good artist statement until I've written, you know, revised it. Like, oh yeah. A million times. Totally. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Office space. Uh-huh. I saw this on your website, I think, maybe. maybe? Yeah. So uh, what's going on with that? Speaking of reaching out into the community yeah, and so everything. It's, it's um, with that in mind, um, just like basically building my network of artists. Um, I years ago read an interview between um, the, the painter Danielle 
Tegeter and um, Angela Fraley. Mm -hmm. And Danielle had done a project uh, in her faculty. I think she called it faculty office. Faculty. Um, no, I'm misremembering maybe. But she did a project where she was like hosting exhibitions in her office. And I was thinking, well, I can do that. <laughs> I mean, I have the space. It doesn't. I'm just thinking about the resources that you have and how to leverage them. I mean, I right. have a space. It's not huge. Um, but it is a white cube in a sense. And it's, I'm not paying <clears throat> any rent. Um, and so I've just this year launched this project where I'm inviting artists from basically outside of Chattanooga. I mean, I don't have it fully. I don't have rules exactly. But I'm trying to reach out to artists that will allow me to either build relationships that are already existing or hopefully create new ones. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and invite them to show their work in my office. So and how so, do you find these people? Um, so I've done three. Well, I, I will be um, opening the third the third show next week, this this coming week. Um, the um, Marissa Karras, I just found, I think we through Instagram. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. as you do now. Yes. Um, I think we, she went to Tyler for her MFA or te Temple University where I went for my BFA. So we had a lot of mutual people in common, which I think is how mm -hmm. we became connected. Um, and I just reached out to her and said, I really admire your work. I've loved following along. Would you be interested in this, doing this project? And she was really enthusiastic about it and said yes right away. Uh, I just had Alexis Cal Alex Calendar, um, who I knew in graduate school, who we were colleagues together. But And we've talked and have seen each other maybe once or twice, but hadn't in many years. So it was just an opportunity to sort of reconnect and, you know, have her come and be able to share my work with her and see her work. And um, and then Pierre Abando, um, I met actually at Bemis. He was a Bemis resident. And okay. um, so, you know, we've been in touch. I wouldn't say that we're friends. So um, how much work can you fit? So it's in your actual office on yeah. campus? Yeah, I can show you later if you want to walk okay. over and see it. Um, not a ton of work. I basically mm -hmm. have one wall that's like I can go as high as maybe 10 feet. Uh, and then I, sh I don't have, I'm not dimensions minded, um, but like maybe 10 to 12 feet across. Mm -hmm. And then there are some like pockets of space where I can also have um, select work. So, I mean, that's part of it is that I don't have a ton of space. So it's not, I can't, I can't have a ton of work. It's not the same as right. a solo exhibition in like a brick and mortar traditional gallery, but it is an opportunity, I think, um, for artists to show work that maybe is new or like that they've never shown before or and that's how the artists have treated it mostly mm -hmm. so with Marissa the first show we had a big drawing which was really exciting a big charcoal drawing and then one two three four small smaller paintings um, around maybe 12 by 16, something like that. So like smallish paintings. So do you have an opening for these? Things? Yeah. So I've been like experimenting with how to work on that. Um, but yeah, so far I've had an opening and it's, you know, I, it's meant to be for the, for my students for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, since I am an educator and it is happening on campus mm -hmm. and I do send a campus wide email out as well. So, okay. you know, I'm, I am inviting everybody to come and the email Into goes out. Office. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> can come by. Um, so it's for faculty and faculty and staff get that email mm -hmm. um and uh so yeah i've had it so the I, I have an upcoming opening on thursday it'll be from like 10 a.m to noon so it's definitely okay. like during kind of business hours mm -hmm. as, a, as a way to get people to come um, while they're on campus but also people can make appointments and come by outside of that space and then, and then I, it's open during my office hours which right. are monday <laughs> monday is 2 to 4 p.m and i have had people make appointments so it's been cool so you or you have a show coming up at David Lusk in Nashville, which I, I love that gallery. Yeah, me too. That's super exciting. Thank and that's you. a really big space. Uh, it is. Uh, so it, there, it was originally going to be a two-person show, and then they changed it. And now it's going to be two solo exhibitions. That's how they're framing it. That happened back-to-back. They do it differently. Um that happened like side by side, I should say. Wait, so there are two solo shows yeah, in the space that, at the same time. That's right. So you don't have to fill up that hole. I don't. Sometimes yeah. they do solo exhibitions where it's featuring one artist. Um, and it's not going to be this, which is a little bit of a relief for me, honestly. Um, but, I, you know, I'd love to work towards that sometime. But so I'll be in the front space. And then John Salvest, who's an artist who's new to me, um, who I think shows mostly in their Memphis gallery, okay. um, is going to be in the back gallery space. And what kind of work does he have? It's going to be, I think, an interesting pairing. Um, I 
think what's what the work will be if you go to the um david Lust gallery website you can see um they're like black and white drawings of like trees okay. so they are botanical like so they'll be you know aligned with my work in that way in terms of subject matter but they're they're very clean and quiet so i think my work which is um maybe quiet but also like very colorful and pattern based um and you know floral will be a a counterpoint for sure. <clears throat> so we're sitting in your studio right now yeah. and I'm looking at, um, are these paintings, What what's the deal with them? Are they in progress? Are they finished? They or are, are they... in different stages. So, um, and I should say that I'm, I also have work in, there's a, a show coming up at the Asheville Art Museum that's yes. opening. I saw that. Dot, dot, dot. I'm not sure when it's opening, actually. <clears throat> it's I like think Appalachia it's gonna, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of this work, uh, this painting, this painting of um, a bunch of flowers with tiger lilies and the painting on the far right of roses. I know those two are going to be in the show and then maybe more, but I'm. Mm-hmm. it's to be determined. Um, and then the rest is f- working towards Lusk, um, the Lusk show. But... Uh, sorry, I'm like losing my train of thought. That's okay. So you're oh, talking about... What stages. Yeah, yeah. so... Some of them are done, like the tulips are done, the one, the patterny one there is done, and the rest are all in progress, but some of them are like, they're close, mm-hmm. so they're at this stage, maybe this one is less close, but I, lo- I love like the state that it's in, mm-hmm. and so, you know, they're at this stage, which I find to be a really exhilarating time and scary time, where like, I know they're close, <laughs> <laughs> So I'm excited about that, but I'm also scared about that because the I don't want to kill them. Yeah, yes, yeah, that, that is that the constant. most dangerous part of a painting. Totally. Where uh, I like love the energy, but I, I'm not ready to stop, but I'm trying not to squeeze all the life out of them. Yeah, you so know? that's what I was asking because some of them are very, like you said, the tulips painting yeah. is done, but it is very, kind of rough. Yeah. You know, it's not a, f- it, it's a little bit more impressionistic. It's not yeah. completely finished. Um Yeah, so I do really love that energy about it um, because I feel like sometimes the close... I I tend to, like, make things more and more naturalistic Mm -hmm. the longer I work on them. And then I feel like they get more boring. I know. Like, they kind of lose some of your hand. I know. It's I mean, I don't have the recipe for sure. And, like, I don't... And that's part of the pleasure for me of painting is that I'm figuring out all the time how how I want to paint, essentially. Um, And it's always this line... Um, or this edge that I'm walking of like wanting the roughness and wanting the energy Uh, but then also liking sometimes when it does when it's like maybe cleaner or crisper or flatter and I think it can be both Mm -hmm. and I think like the roughness points out the the cleaner you know crisper and and back and forth like one can point to the other and highlight the other Um, so I see you've got like vases with flowers at them all over the place (laughs) so you're working from life I am yeah and then some of the flowers are dying over here. Yeah, and I'm keeping them around like a crazy Miss Havisham or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So do you try to do the paintings while the flowers are I still do. alive? I do. Do you have to, like, hurry up and yeah, get them done? Yeah, I do, which is part of – I think that's really good for me. And that, mm-hmm. like, adds to the energy that you're – I don't know if you said – I think I said the word energy, but, like, the roughness, mm-hmm. I think, is a, is a product of that, um, is having to, like – respond and I mean it's so it's so for me it's really exciting um because they literally like can open and and change like in front of my eyes as I'm working on them right and so having to respond being able to see that is a really beautiful thing and then just having to respond to those changes and make decisions about how to respond um, I find really exciting so before I even um met you and I was looking at your work, the first thing I was drawn to was the patterns. So you have a lot of patterns that I thought, in looking at them, I was I was going to ask you, like, are you making up these patterns? Where are mm-hmm. they coming from? Now that I'm sitting in your studio, I can clearly see that you're using fabric. Yeah. And you have fabric, like, draped behind um, your pieces. And so you're working from from life with that as well. I am, yeah. And so you saw my work last night. Did we uh-huh. talk a little bit about sourcing yeah, fabric? Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you go about sourcing fabrics? So, so um, a lot of them are from, I have like a, you know, like a Tupper, big Tupperware container, but um, from my house or just mm-hmm. like from things that I've had around, like I've just had this uh, pillowcase 
that I grabbed from my like my Nana's house after she passed away um, that I just like had sort of had. Um, so some of them are more, I guess, significant or they, they have some sort of personal resonance. Um, others like Katie Hargrave has given me piles of stuff and mm-hmm. Andy O'Brien, my colleague around the corner, um, he was making work with a lot of pattern. So at one point he was like, do you want to look through my stuff? And I was like, yes, I do. And then <laughs> others, you know, I um, was on a walk one day and I saw there was a old pillowcase on the side of the road and it was like really disgusting. And I... I was like, I don't know. It seems really dirty. And then I, and then I was thinking about it, and I drove back and picked it up. You know, I went to um, and cleaned it. I went to Goodwill a couple of weeks ago, you know, and had like just got a shopping cart of crazy stuff. So there, it's coming from all over. And there's um, some of them are floral. Like this one mm-hmm. is like some kind of pink zebra print. Yeah. Look, is this is a is this a pillowcase? The it pink is a pillowcase print. Yep. That's interesting because then you start thinking about it in terms of a bed. Uh huh. But when you're looking at it in your painting it doesn't necessarily look like a pillowcase yeah so that's something i'm thinking about is like when how how to reference that you know how to reference the actual object and right definitely in some cases like the ones that you're seeing here where you can see the pattern there it feels like a pretty close one-to-one relationship like i'm not straying that far away from the actual source although i, I am making decisions and simplifying in a lot of cases because you kind of have to um just because they're so visually complex. But in other cases, I've had to really, uh, yeah, just think about how to translate. I'm not interested in a in a in an exact duplicate, you know. So mm-hmm. like how to translate it um, in a way that makes sense to me, I guess, visually and for my paintings. Do you, you usually know? pick out your like? So you're working with like uh, two objects essentially, like the yeah, flower yeah. and then also the, the fabric. Which one do you usually pick out first? Because it looks like they're related. Like I'm looking yeah. at these. There's da- yellow daffodils, and then the pattern in the background has abstracted yellow flowers. It depends. It, it just sort of depends. Like sometimes I have a pattern or like a piece of fabric in mind that I like. I know I want to do something with and. Um, with the with this one in particular, I was thinking about the similarity between just like the you know the cactus itself and the the zebra print, um, right? How they're kind of both stripy in a way. Yeah, and I liked that play. Um, the daffodils, I like picked daffodils a couple of weeks ago, and then I, then I paired the fabric with it after, you know. So the, it happens in different in different ways at different times. Um, the plants, they last longer. <laughs> so I have, right. I have more time with them, although they do change a lot still. The like, fabrics last longer. Did and you the, say plants? Fa- the plants, I said, but the oh, fabrics yeah. last even longer. Right. Um, you know, so I can sometimes, like I'll continue, sometimes I try, I try to sort of work with the flowers just for a, a, a relatively short amount of time because I think that's good for me. It like helps my paint painting be more interesting I guess or just like exciting for me um because they don't labor on them as much right but then I can continue to work on the painting if I want to sometimes I try not to you know it just all depends so it's a very traditional thing to do like totally still life yeah. like this have you always been into kind of like painting from life yeah um, um yeah I have been and like even as an undergraduate student um the figure has been a constant thread through my work and I was working relative although I was also using photographs as a tool but still I've always been really excited about art history and just like historical painting and mm, like always went to the library as an undergrad and just browsed and just like pulled down painting books and um, historical ones for sure I definitely had more of an awareness of historical painting than contemporary painting I think Um, and it was a different time this is like before the internet right like the internet existed but I wasn't using it right uh, as a tool for visual research but um you know, I, I curated a show last year with a friend, Ty Smith, um, who's a painter in Birmingham, and we included Susanna Coffey, who's an artist I really love, and I was just thinking about her because um, she has talked about being interested in history and talking about the weight of history and how a lot of artists want to distance themselves from it, but hmm. she wants to, like, bear that weight and I just love the way that um, she talks about that, and I sort of feel that too. Like I like to be in dialogue with historical so painting. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to do the same thing, but I also know that I'm not, I'm not like doing something that's never been done before, and that's right. not a motivation for me. I'm not that interested in that. I feel like that's impossible. Yeah, I think <laughs> like, so. I don't and know. like what part of the fun for me as a painter is 
also that you do have this long tradition, which is interesting because as a teacher, when you start teaching other art forms, I feel like most professors relate them to painting mm-hmm. because that's the history well, it's kind of, of art. Of a default. It's a default because yeah. the you know photography wasn't around. Yeah. Um, film wasn't around. Yeah. Like painting is the longest uh, history that we have yeah. to study in art. So it's this interesting default um, art historical dialogue that you have going on that's always about the relationship to painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in that way, um, I had somebody tell me a year or two ago, like, oh, well, you're, and I know it was not a compliment. (laughs) Um, It was, they were like, oh, your paintings are so accessible. Um, And I don't mind that. Right. (laughs) Like, that's not a problem for me. I'm not setting out to make accessible paintings, but I also don't mind that lots of people can look at these and have different responses, but also like, can enter into it too. Yeah, totally. Um, I actually, on purpose, try to make things accessible because mm-hmm. I get annoyed with things that are really, you know, I, I like to have that art historical discussion uh, with other artists, but I also, you know, most people are not artists. Right. So, like, your audience is just so narrow. Yeah. If you're making work that only a few artists How can boring. talk about, yeah. it does seem kind of. Or just elitist. Kind yes, of, it's you know? elitist. That's the way that I think of it. Yeah. It's just too elitist for me. It doesn't make sense in terms of like why I started painting in the first place. But yeah, your work is very accessible. So you briefly mentioned your, you know, taking something from your nana's house. Um, what is your family's like, and and your growing up, your relationship to art and art oh, history? Like, did you go to museums as a kid? No, no. Um, I'm the oldest of four and I have three brothers mm-hmm. um so while I grew up in Pennsylvania you talking last night at your artist talk about <laughs> masculinity and you know my brothers I love them I have like a good relationship with them but they're definitely like frat boys you mm-hmm. know like they're they're those guys wearing khakis and plaid shirts mm-hmm. um so I have felt like an alien most of my life like I um I was um in, really interested in art just naturally and um, music. I played the viola, so I was in the orchestra. Oh, I, I played violin. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was a really rewarding experience for me um, that I didn't continue seriously, but I think about it a lot and I like loved it. Um, so that was what I was doing. And then my brothers were all very much into sports. And I would, the way that I have described it is like my parents um, didn't discourage me. But I don't know that I would say that they, like, encouraged me. Right. Uh, like, we definitely didn't go to museums um, ever. Like, we would go to, like, maybe, like, the Natural History Museum. or so, Like, we'd go to D.C. and go to, like, the, like, the Smithsonian to see the dinosaur bones and things like that. And that's really cool. Right. But we were not going to the art museums. Yeah. My first experience at a museum was to see a King Tut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we probably did some of that. Yeah. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She raised us, and then when we were all back in school, she went back because she's a teach- she was a teacher. She just retired. Um, and I will say, like, well, first of all, I learned to work really hard from my parents, and that has served me very well. Like, as an artist, you just have to work hard. Right. Um, I also learned they're both the oldest children in their families of, mm-hmm. of multiple children. So, like, I just have learned to be really self-sufficient, and that's the kind of parenting I had to like I just like figured it out and I just like they expected me to be responsible and I was you know right and um but my mom I would say like even though like I just drew all the time you know as as kids and as artists often do and um she was a really creative mom like and I see her now as a grandma of um my brother's kids and like she does really creative play with them and so I think definitely just thinking creatively was modeled and instilled in me for sure um but I was also really fortunate um I was in a good public school system and I was very encouraged by teachers um all through my education but like um Definitely, I had a really excellent middle school teacher, and I had a really excellent um, Kelly Gallagher and, and Cindy Moyer in high school, and they were really um, huge supporters. And like, I wouldn't have gone to art school for sure without that encouragement. So, your what did your dad do? He is still he's not retired yet. He's a food service director uh, at a now a nursing home. He worked at <clears> the <throat> hospital for many years. So, um, and my mom was a special ed teacher. Okay. And so they're very practical people. 
So the arts were just not on. You were just. No. My mom always tells me I was hatched from an egg because she doesn't understand where yeah, I came up with it's, this. It's interesting. Like my parents love me. I know. And I think they're proud of me. We just don't talk about my life very mm. like, And I think that's my also my fault. But, like, they have no understanding. Not no. mine either. I didn't really realize that until <laughs> I, recently. And I started talking to my dad about, like, the ins and outs of being a professor. Yeah. And they just, I'm like, well, they really have no clue what I do. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I'm, I don't – I'm not surprised by that in a way. It's just so different. I mean, when my mom was – when I was – when my mom was my age, she had four children. Like, right. That's, I don't have any kids. And, like, so our lives are really different. Right. Um. So, yeah. Do all of your brothers have children? They do. Yeah. And yeah. are they all still, like... Uh, They're all, ki- like, the little kids. And my my husband is a, is the oldest of a family of three, and they all have children. I think we have 11 nieces and nephews. Are they all in everywhere. the same place? No. Well, my husband's family is out in western Nebraska. My Most of my family is in Pennsylvania. And then I do okay. have one brother who, with two kids who lives in Myrtle Beach. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're they're the kind of uh, far. You don't see them that often. Not really. Yeah. So I'm pretty isolated. We're both isolated, from, my husband and I, from our family. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that for a while in New York, and it, it's uh, it's interesting but I felt like uh, I enjoyed being, I was in New York for about a decade. I really enjoyed like absorbing all of that history and all of that painting, but I had a difficult time working there. Mm-hmm. I was like overstimulating yeah. and I was constantly feeling like I was behind and trying to catch up and it yeah. wasn't my home. Yeah. So, you know, I wonder, so you're in a place that I, like how, how similar is this to like where you grew up? Do you feel like you are inspired by place at all while um, you're here? I are you? think that I am really, I think that I, I think that I'm adaptable mm-hmm. and I can live anywhere. And I lived in a lot of different kinds of places and I've never felt the need. Although now I'm sort of like, I wish I sort I wish I would have done it. I never felt like I needed to go to New York. Right. Um, I was always pretty intimidated by it actually, although I love visiting. Um, I don't know that I'm specifically, like, thinking about place, but I know that place influences my work because just my life influences my work and, like, Mm -hmm. my experiences are informing it for sure. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking at these. They really could be anywhere because they're all all interior. Well, they're very uh, much studio paintings. And I... I, So this... I started this work about two years ago, I guess, a little over... um, and almost three years ago, I went to Hambage and uh-huh. did a residency there. And I had a great experience. And, you know, for those of you who don't know it, although I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know it, yeah. it you have like a cabin in the woods. And uh, it was in June. And so I was there for two weeks. I was even in one of the cabins that's a little bit farther away from all the other ones. So it felt very isolated. And you don't have the internet, you know, and, and you can go there and get it. Like you can go to the main house and right. get online if you need to. But it was really good for me to be unplugged and how long were you there? Just two weeks. Okay. But gosh, you can make a lot in two weeks if right. you don't have Nothing the internet. Else. <laughs> and yeah. you're just there and you're just there to work, you know? Um, so and for me, residencies have been like highly productive times. I just like go and I work like a maniac. And um, that was my experience there. And I went without I went having ra- had wrapped up this group of work body of work that I had worked on for I guess two years prior of, of these figurative paintings and I knew that I was ready to move on I didn't know exactly what to do um and so I just went out there and I knew that I wanted to work from life again because I hadn't right. done that and just being there in June it was like so green and like you're just in the woods and everything was like bright green and there were like you know birds chirping and like bugs and there were like moths crazy moths at night and it was just so um lush mm-hmm. and I was really excited by that and so I, I just I actually like bought a front e- French easel to go out there thinking I was gonna like go out in the woods and I just I didn't really I basically just like shuffled it around to my cabin but I made right. all these paintings of um like my cabin like interiors and then paintings of the surrounding areas so you I'm really were at. inspired by it really place. was and it was that that was it. yeah so you were uh, you have one figurative painting here. So before you started the series and before Hambage, what what were you using live models for your figurative no, work? No, I have photos. I was using photos, and I think that was like a part of that work is having that distance. Mm-hmm. But I wanted I wanted them to be, I guess, more experiential, which is how I feel um, about working from life. Like, and working from life is very traditional, and a lot right. of people don't 
like that for that reason. I find it to be really energizing and surprising because there's just like so much offered from life that I would never invent. Right. You know, it's just so, and being there um, and working on that way, you just have to be so present and you're slowing, you're slowing down. Um, And so it was just really exciting for me. And then I came back to the studio um, and started bringing all my plants. And and then I was thinking like, oh gosh, I just want to, this is real. I'm like really enjoying this and I, <laughs> I want to enjoy my work in a way that I'm not that I wasn't, but it just felt new to right. me, like not new territory for painting, but new for me. Right. And so then I was bringing all the plants in and while I think that, and I've always lived with a lot of plants and so they're, they're like familiar and I feel like I have relationships with them in ways. And, and so they're not overtly figurative of course, but I think like the idea of a figure is still present. They're kind of like portraits. Like figure ground is happening. Yeah, and figure ground and all those traditional <clears throat> painterly invest- investigations are still there. I mean, it's interesting as a teacher, you know, like I feel like students are less and less likely to want to work from life. And yeah. I feel like it's so important because if you're working from a photo, like to me, the hardest decisions have already been made for you. Yeah. Like the you're already starting with a two-dimensional image. Oh, yeah. Um, so I really like working from life too. So this portrait, who is this dude that so we're that's looking my, at? Yeah, that's my husband. And I, I did start that from a image uh, photo, but mm-hmm. I do want to bring him in and make him sit for me. Okay. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure yet, but I want to like fold the figure back in somehow. So that's just like my dipping my toe back into that. So you're not, is this like um, this picture, he's wearing a floral shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I don't know, like a Hawaiian print shirt yeah. or something. So it does have some similarities Definitely. to the um, flowers. Are you planning on you're planning on doing some figures in your show at David? Lusk? Not for Lusk, but I like think going forward, yeah. like combining the two. Yeah, I'm not sure how yet, but yeah, it's really fun to work from the figure from life. Have you done that? Oh a lot? yeah, I've done it a lot, but not in a really long time. So okay. that's also I I really want to do that next. Mm-hmm. So I think like in the summer I want to do a big painting and I'm thinking about like I have somebody that I want to ask I kind of want to do a nude painting um but I'm also conflicted about that like I haven't um I have to think about it more like I want to do female nude but then I'm like is that a problem should am I participating in something that's problematic I'm not sure so Uh, I have to just think about that (laughs) yeah I I mean I did female nudes for a long time and then I was just over it I'm like I feel like there's just enough of them out there oh totally (laughs) yeah I mean again that's why we don't need the male (laughs) The male nude. I mean, plus it's just not uh, something that you see as often. Oh, absolutely. You know, I feel like I had kind of played out the female nude because I did so many of them. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting to think about the figure. You know, your your paintings that we're looking at here, they feel very, um, I don't know what the word is. I mean, I guess formal. You know, they're really about color and about pattern and like whether you're looking at a figure or a plant there's kind of this similar mood definitely I think so too between them yeah um and for me I mean I think that's why I'm thinking about like I did portraits for years and years and years and so I think that's why um I think about the these as portraits as well and certainly like the a single plant and they're like right in the center and I do I do appreciate that like I want them to be direct Mm mm-hmm like, so I want there to be an element of, like, um, just immediacy. Mm-hmm. But then I also hope to hold someone. And, and I think that can happen with multiple paintings because you start to think about, like, what's going on here. <laughs> like Right, as a series. Th- yeah, as a series, thinking about relationships. But I also hope that there's an engagement with the surface and those formal things that you're talking about that people want to look at. I mean, not everyone <clears> will. Um, I think for me, like making this work started because I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something new and it was like inspired by definitely the place in in the sense of Hambage. But also I just, I was thinking, I guess, about the figurative paintings that I was doing before were a lot about figures and groupings and gatherings and they, they were, they were quiet and like some ways you can see similar things going on in terms of like the sensibility and playing with flatness and thinking about space but there's a lot of empty space and they were a lot about solitude um and I think these are not necessarily they're not about not not about solitude these paintings but um 
they felt people were talking about the figurative paintings a lot in terms of isolation and mm-hmm. loneliness. And um, for me, I love being alone. So like, I think it's just sort of how you approach um, just that idea. And so, right. so it's some not people necessarily could, loneliness for you. Yeah. For me, solitude, I'm like, yes, I right. love that. Um, and while other people could have a hard time with that. Uh, but anyway, I, it just felt like um, not exactly dark, but I was thinking about tension and I was thinking about things. I wanted to move away from that and I went to swing in a different direction. And then I was also thinking about the kind of, um, I guess, asceticism that I think happens in contemporary art often and, and what we kind of like, what, I have felt like I shouldn't do, like even using color. Like color is something that people talk to me a lot about in terms of my work. Or just that like because I use a lot of color and because I use a lot of saturated color, um I think people often feel like that's really an easy thing to do because color can amp up um you know, an emotion. And yeah, can, like color an, can do things. An easy right? way out, yeah, but yeah. like it's painting. Well, I, I have the know. same thing. I'm like, but what? That's a tool that we have at our disposal, yeah. and it's an important yeah. tool. I was noticing that you um, uh, last year presented uh, teaching foundations through a contemporary uh-huh. lens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know if you did a paper, but. Um, so you teach foundation classes, and you just mentioned like contemporary art and uh-huh. kind of amping up the colors. Yeah. Do you, when you work with your students, like what is the, what do you mean by contemporary lens when you like so kind of work with beginning the, students? So that was a, um, I chaired, I didn't present myself, but I chaired a session. So oh, okay. So I, that was like my topic, and then we had four people mm-hmm. present. It was great. It was like so great. But what I and I don't teach. While I have taught foundations classes at UTC, I teach painting and drawing. So okay. specifically, I'm working mostly with those students. I love teaching foundations, though, and I really love foundations. What I was thinking about was how often there is this... Um, I mean, it's certainly related to my interest in the studio. There is often, I think, um, this idea that in foundations, you're, you're learning the fundamentals, right? right? And it has mostly historically been very formal. Mm-hmm. So you're, like, learning about color. You're learning about, you know, the... the the principles of design and you're learning this like shared visual language and that's all true and then you sh- and then you shift to upper division where it's content driven as it should right. be but then you're like not talking about the formal anymore necessarily and i think both have to happen simultaneously it's mm-hmm. like a, the form and content discussion <laughs> right and there certainly that's not mutually exclusive and it, uh, the way that you use f- your formal decision making should support the content and, and vice versa, right? So just so starting like, at, at foundations level. Yeah, like and, and also just thinking about, like, and then at the upper division, what I find with my students is, like, almost for juniors and seniors, they almost apologize when they want to, well, this is formal, but I want to talk about this. It's mm-hmm. like, we should continue to, like, it doesn't go away. Right. You know, and in fact, like, um, again, like, I think that it supports the ideas that you have, like, the formal decisions that you're making. So just trying to think about, how like strategy I was I was looking for strategies that people use to introduce conceptual and, and contemporary and um at at earlier and then also to continue those conversations later on so like the idea of amping up the color so I think I don't know if it was you I was talking to I was talking to somebody last night about use I like to use fluorescent uh-huh, paints mm-hmm. and they're not archival mm-hmm. and so you can't really buy fluorescent oil paints mm-hmm. um and I've just gotten back into oil paint again, but then I use oil, I use oil pastels that are fluorescent mm-hmm. into my oil paints, so I can get those hyper saturated bright colors. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you said, uh, you've had criticism about that. Yeah, or well, like, I just think there's like been. Um, I mean, one of my th- this will not surprise anyone who has talked to me before, but like um, modest painting is an essay by Mira Shore that's sort of I like love, my very favorite. Yes, I love. <laughs> and her. I make. Well, I shouldn't say I make. In painting, too, we read that uh, that essay, and it 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 is it talks about the histo- the history of just like um, kind of genre painting and what has been respected just mm-hmm. historically and and what has not. And I think historically, like um, even beyond this essay, like drawing has been the intellectual pursuit, and mm-hmm. I think you know that's associated with. Um, perspective and mathematics and so it's been kind of in the scientific arena and so therefore it's more intellectual right where color has been more emotional Mm. and therefore like more feminine Mm -hmm. and so therefore not as respected and um yeah and and color like um 
historically some of my favorite favorite painters are the post-impressionists right. and and then modernists like um this will not surprise you but like bonard and vuillard and matisse of course right. who are like using exuberant color in wild ways pattern, pattern flatness um playing with space uh and um yeah even like uh, there has been talk about like french painting being like very and that's this is also kind of gets into what even what you've been talking about thinking about patriotism and like an almost like a, a way of thinking about art, you know, like um, uh, abstract expressionism, expressionism was like the American type painting. And right. it was very masculine. French painting is more emotional. And very gr- abstract expressionism is very, you know, New York school is all gray. Yeah. It's black not super and colorful. white. It's pretty drab. Yeah. So I guess for me, like I was, I've been thinking about, and Mira Shore also just talks about pleasure, visual pleasure, mm-hmm. and just thinking about like, um, paintings that I want to make paintings that are pleasurable uh, now I, I think the thing that I have been thinking about is like I don't want to like I don't think it's also completely unrelated to what's going on in the world right um, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm like just um, putting my head in the sand and then going to the studio and making these like beautiful paintings in a lot of ways I feel like these paintings which are about beauty um, and about embracing these like overtly uh, kind of feminine symbol, like flowers are just overtly feminine or have been associated with femininity. Mm-hmm. So embracing, like, and, you know, wanting to make paintings that are beautiful and lush and, like, joyful even sometimes. Right. And I don't know that that has been respected, you no, know, historically. And that has definitely been pushed into, like, um, the category of, like, uh, paintings women make. You know, and I have a hard time with that because yeah. I... I am constantly beating myself up, like, as I'm painting, if something starts to become too pretty, I, like, try to ugly it up. Absolutely, Um, And that is, like, a patriarchal, like, uh, prejudice that I have inherited. I get it. And I have a hard time with it. Like, and I'm always worried that I'm doing that, that for I'm me, getting too decorative. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them decorative and colorful, and, like, I'm going to paint flowers. And and it's, it's also going to be a kind of... Um, bomb or or like uh uh contrast to like really like uh i guess a toxicity i've been feeling feeling culturally and also honestly like in response to just personally like a professionally like some toxic stuff that's been going on and and wanting to just have a very different experience in the studio so the painting is just like you know becomes a joyful place which i've you know, only recently in my old age, I've started to get to that place myself where, like, I'm not hating every painting mm-hmm. I do and, like, making it a struggle. I'm just letting it be, mm-hmm. which is so much more enjoyable. Yeah. And, you know, the color thing, I still, I'm really interested in this idea of, like, push it, pushing the saturation of the colors. Um, it seems very contemporary to me. Like, I'm often, like, just driving around looking at our landscape. You know, we have this kind of neon, plastic kind of constant landscape that we have. So to, like, use the bright colors and amping up the colors, to me, just seems natural Mm -hmm. as a citizen of the world Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I mean, listen, like, I love art history, but I'm also super engaged with contemporary art. So I'm, like, looking at contemporary art and contemporary painting all the time. Um, And uh, it has been also really exciting and surprising to see a lot of contemporary painters returning, maybe not returning, but like really embracing just like oil painting. Right. And, and, and still life is really big right now. And so are these figures, all oil painting? They are. Yeah. I, I, I noticed some acrylic. So yeah, you do like a first layer of acrylic. Sometimes I do. And like, I have these works on paper over here that are acrylic and gouache. And so I definitely work in that way. Uh, or with those materials. Um, actually, flash is a material that I really love oh, that you yeah. should also, if I've you want used neon. It. Mm. I've used flash, but I'm like, I don't know it's not if the I'm, same. Uh, it's vinyl. I, yeah, so. it's vinyl. It's very matte. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I, I'm still not quite sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. used it some along with uh, like mixed media. I never mm-hmm. use it by, do you use it by itself? Usually not. Usually it's underneath. Mm. Um, so it's like a sort of contemporary, I guess, um, in, in prematura, like underpainting sort mm-hmm. of uh, idea. But um, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought again. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, 
I do, I'm, I'm aware, I'm a person of the world, so I'm definitely, like, absorbing all of this stuff. And, and back to, like, um, I think we you mentioned using photographs and, and mm-hmm. students. Um, I think the way that we see, and certainly the way that students are now growing up, like, they, not all, but most have camera phones, you right. know, and, like, um, so they have just grown up thinking through photography, and like thinking through images and mediation. Right. So like that is familiar to them. And so like getting them to slow down and and and, and look is harder and harder, you know, because that's just not their experience. But it's so valuable. Yeah, I think so too. And especially if you, if students want to like get weird and abstract and go cartoony, you talked about like anime, I think last right. night, you said, all the students are interested in that. Right. <laughs> um, like being able to work away from naturalistic rendering, like, they will just have a lot more information and they'll be much more convincing, I think, when they want to abstract, if they have an understanding of how things are in space and in life. Any last things that you want to tell me about? Because I think I've covered my my short list here. Um, I want to plug a couple of things, if I may. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm, I'm curating a show in July, which I'm really excited about. It's a painting painting show um, at the Ground Floor Contemporary, which is a, a great artist-run space in Birmingham that okay. was founded by um, Sarah Garden Armstrong, who's okay. like a, a wonderful painter who was in New York for a long time. And um, she invited me to do this. And so it's going to be a, a group show. And I'm, I'm thinking about painters who are working with all of my same interests, I guess, and, and who are working with intellect for sure, but also with intuition. I don't know that those are always talked about in the same breath, but I right. think they're related. And who are working perceptually and, and engage with personal subject matter, but are working in really different ways. So, so far, I have um, Avital Berg, who's a New York-based painter, Mary Addison Hackett, who you might know, who um, was in Nashville for a while and is now back out in California. Polly Schindler, who is in Connecticut, and then Kelly S. Williams, who's also, um, who's currently in Nashville. And so that's opening in July, um, July 11th through the 28th. So I would love for your listeners to, to come. Okay. I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me into your studio today, Christina. Thank you for coming. It's a real pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I loved getting a chance to talk painting with Christina Vogel. She's doing some amazing work, and I hope you all will check out her upcoming solo show at David Lusk in Nashville. That will be called Retreat and is running April 30th to May 25th. If you're in North Carolina, you can find her work at the Asheville Art Museum this summer as part of Appalachia Now, an interdisciplinary survey of contemporary art in Southern Appalachia. And as she mentioned, she's also curating With Feeling, at Ground Floor Contemporary in Birmingham, with works by Avital Berg, Mary Addison Hackett, Kieran Brennan Hinton, Polly Schindler, and Kelly S. Williams. That show runs from July 11th to the 28th, and the opening reception is on July 11th. You can find links to these upcoming shows, as well as some of the other people and things we discussed in this episode, on the Peachy Keen page of my website at vivianladell.com. You can also find images from my studio visit with Christina and a summary of this episode there, as well as a link to our Patreon page where you can pledge support to the podcast if you'd like to see it continue. I always appreciate any comments or suggestions you have. You can leave those on the Peachy Keen page of my website as well. Or if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would be a great way to help get the word out about the show. For our next episode, we'll be back in Atlanta talking to Donna Mintz about her current show at Sandler Hudson Gallery. She's got an artist talk happening on Saturday, April 27th at 2 p.m., so hopefully I can get that next episode out to you pretty quickly so you can learn a little bit about her and then go check out her talk. Until then, I hope you're out enjoying the spring weather and that your days are peachy keen.